Let us pray. Lord, open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your message. For we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, can you remember learning the Lord's Prayer? I would probably suspect most of us were children when we did. I think I was probably nine years old and at vacation Bible school. That always kind of sticks in my mind for some reason. But, uh, yeah, I think most of us probably were children when we learned the Lord's Prayer. A survey was taken in 2012 by the British newspaper, The Telegraph, on the number of children who knew the Lord's Prayer. Now, this lead article showed, and it showed some light on a very disturbing fact, that the number of children who know the Lord's Prayer today are only half the number of who knew it 40 years ago. Now, whether you're a novice at prayer or a seasoned prayer, the Lord's Prayer provides a very basic framework given to us by the Lord himself. Now, when something is highlighted in this context, that the Lord gives us something, he tells us something, he shares something with us, we can be sure that it's very important. We can be certain that it's important enough that we know it. And not only that we know it, but that we understand what it is that we're praying. We have two recordings of the Lord's Prayer in Scripture. One is in Matthew. That's more of a fuller context of the actual prayer. And then the other one that we find today in Luke. But what reveals is the, this is probably more of a distinctive emphasis and style of the two writers. We could spend many Sundays dissecting the prayer line by line. For today, I really wanted to focus on a particular part of the Lord's Prayer that I think many times just gets rushed over and really isn't given the attention that it, it needs and that is the part, the part that I'm referring to is the section, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wonder if times, do we really understand what we're praying in those phrases? Now, the other parts of the prayer, I think we tend to understand. We, we understand what we're praying. Hallowed be thy name. You know, honoring God, giving God the honor. Give us this day our daily bread, asking God for what we need today. Forgive us of our, set, of our debts. Of course, we know that is forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But let's look at the phrase, thy kingdom come. That is a powerful phrase, thy kingdom come. Well, unlike earthly kingdoms with borders and boundaries and checkpoints and guards, God's kingdom knows no boundaries. That's hard for us to grasp, isn't it? That's hard for us to really understand. 
the best I can come up with as far as an example is way back when in the West, there were cows that ran all over the place or, or livestock. They didn't have fences and things put up. So they just grazed everywhere. That's about the best example I could come up with. Today, we wouldn't do that. We always have our boundaries. We have our fences, you know. We can only keep our animals in a certain place. But God's kingdom knows no boundaries. It knows no nationalities, no ethnicity, no language, no skin color, no um, economic status, no theological position. And it really, really, really doesn't matter, folks, what political affiliation that you are with, <laughs> whether you're conservative or liberal or in between. It doesn't matter. God's kingdom knows no boundaries. Christ reveals this part in the Lord's prayer as a petition. Thy kingdom come. He wants the kingdom of God to come. We know it came in Christ himself. But he wants to keep putting it out there for the disciples and the followers to understand. The kingdom of God to come on earth. A boundless and a boundaryless kingdom to be established. A kingdom with no opposing camps. A kingdom where our differences are less important than the one whose kingdom it is. The kingdom will itself be made up of those who participate in the gifts of grace and forgiveness. Yet this kingdom will not come into its fullness without encountering hostility from this world. Not just hostility from this world, but also opposition from Satan. We have to accept the fact that we live in a world where there is evil. And it will push back anything and everything of God. So are we really ready to pray this part of the prayer? Can we embrace the person whose differences we find objectionable? We humans like our boundaries. We like to stay on our side of the street. What's the old saying? Uh, good fences make good neighbors. Come on, folks, let's face it. We have trouble with our neighbors putting up any other NFL flag other than the Ravens. I'll mention a certain person in this sanctuary today when we drive up from our development. I can't believe they're putting up one of those flags. No. <laughs> but he'll go nameless anyway. Alfred Lloyd Tennyson, the writer, stated, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Hmm. Prayer sustains society more than any other factor. I don't think we realize that. Prayer sustains society more than any other factor. We do forget that. We forget just how powerful prayer really is. Now, when it came to prayer, I think the disciples were very much like us. They struggled with prayer. 
It's interesting that they didn't ask Jesus how to preach or to teach them how to, um, to teach. No, they recognized that they needed help with prayer. John the Baptist taught his disciples about prayer. Jesus needs to teach us. For many people, the Lord's Prayer is simply a prayer to recite. But as we see in this prayer, it can be pretty life-changing. There is no magic in prayer. And we learned from Christ early on that any kind of mechanical recitation of prayer can be pretty empty and meaningless. We can say prayers all day long, but that's not what he wants. Jesus discourages us from, to keep from babbling like the pagans who think they'll be heard just because they re have repetitive prayers and they pray and they pray. That's, that's not what Christ wants. And he tells us specifically. But as you can see, we may find this prayer can change lives. The Lord's prayer can actually change our lives if we let it. This prayer can bring about social action. This prayer can bring about economic and even political changes. There's more power in prayer than all the armies of the world. You know, we think that all the different wars that we fought in, that our might and our strength, that's what won the wars. I would think probably prayers are the number one thing that helped us win any war from any country. Prayer. Prayer is a very, is a spiritual discipline, but it can be strenuous. It can be frustrating. It even is mentally and physically demanding at times. Sometimes you pray to the point you just feel exhausted. But we have heard this many times that when we pray, what we're doing is receiving the gift of God himself. He really does want to know us. And that's what prayer is about. Getting to know him. Prayer is not an attempt to force the hand of God. I don't know where we get that from. That if we pray hard enough, this is what God's going to give us. That's not what's going to happen. Even for tornadoes, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> but it's all about our, the submission on our part. We don't like to submit, people. We just don't even get me started on Ephesians 5, submission. Mm -mm. No, we are not creature, a creature that likes to submit. But that's what prayer is about. With the understanding and accepting that God's answers are wiser than our prayers. Praise God. His answers are wiser than our prayers. Some people only turn to God when their fragile foundations are shaking. Only to discover that, to their surprise, that it's God who's shaking that foundation. We also struggle with how God answers our prayers. 
C.S. Lewis once confessed that he was grateful that God hadn't given him everything that he prayed for and that he wanted. He said, I don't know where I'd be if I had gotten all that I asked for. And I think we can all relate to that. Once again, we need to be reminded that prayer doesn't always change our situation. It changes us to deal with the situation. That's why it's so important to pray in God's will, his will. Because we really don't want to pray on our will. We don't know what's best for us. Even though that's hard as humans to hear that, we don't know what's best for us. But God does. So we looked at thy kingdom come. Now let's look at thy will be done. Jesus himself prayed in agony of anticipating the cross. He prayed in agony. Prayed with blood um, to the point coming out of his veins, of his pores. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, not my will, but yours be done. As I had said before and earlier, God's answers are many times wiser than our prayers. Do we really understand that when we pray, we are getting caught up with God's will. We're getting caught up in his scheme, in his plan, in his purpose for our life. This means that God doesn't again give us what we want, but he gives us what we need. And within our human condition, it's hard for us to accept that in many situations. But especially, we can't figure out how certain things can happen to our benefit. We get sick. How does that benefit us? We get laid off from our job. How in the world does that benefit us? We have to move. We have relationship trouble. How in the world does that benefit us? Thy will be done means that we don't expect God to change his plans to accommodate our wishes. God can't change his plans to make it easier for us, to make it to our favor. But let's look at that. Sometimes we, we might even avoid praying that difficult part, thy will be done. Because we're, we assume that God's will is going to be very harsh and difficult. We assume that. But let's look at that. Now, if you have children and they came to you today and said, mom, dad, Y'all pay attention to this now. You're going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to do everything that you tell me to do from now on. I'm going to obey you. Look at these. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to obey you fully. Now, your kids come to you and say that. What do you think you're going to do? What, do you, what, what is it you think? Wow. You think, hmm, now I have a chance to make my children's lives miserable. No, I hope they don't, but I don't know. <laughs> no, that's not what we do. <laughs> no, the same is true for the Lord. He doesn't wish to make us unhappy. 
like we read earlier in the scriptures, you know, if your child asks for bread, you don't give him a stone. You give him good things. God doesn't promise that we will like all that he allows to come into our lives. Our obedience may be, may be more important than our happiness. That's a tough one to swallow. Our obedience may be more important than our happiness. Because usually our happiness is based on worldly standards, not God's standards. But when we follow in obedience, then we really truly understand what that old hymn says. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Something else we need to understand that when we pray for God's will to be done, and I hope you really listen to this part, that we are praying against the fallen state of this world. We are praying against the fallen state of this world. We are actually rebelling against the evil of this world and the things that go against God and his word. That's pretty serious stuff. And Satan's not going to roll over for that. But folks, God loves heroic faith. There's many examples throughout our religious history of heroic faith. People who stood up and said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray this. And folks, it takes heroic faith to be in this world today. It is not so easy praying, thy will be done, when someone we know is sick. Because we want nothing less than a full recovery. But dare we as people of faith understand that even God has a purpose for illness? We don't stop praying for healing, but we also need to understand and be ready to accept what true healing is. God doesn't offer us a blank check. No, our prayers must be in harmony with his will. When we seek God's will, we need to ask God to place us, place within us a desire to want what he wants. Prayer will release that power, that power of God in our lives. So finally, this let us look at the phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. So how do they live in heaven? Unless you've been there recently, none of us really know. And if you have been, I want to see you after the service. <laughs> all, all of their wills are in perfect accord with the divine will. Wow. Perfect accord. Is that even possible for us to do here on earth? By bringing our wills into perfect accord with God, we, we can't even decide on what carpet we want to put in the church. I mean, we, we can't even be in accord with that. <laughs> yeah. Being in God's will here on earth as it is in heaven. They say that in heaven, love comes first. 
Wow, that's quite a lesson for us to learn, isn't it? Love comes first. It may take a lifetime to learn and surrender completely our will. But when we do, God is pleased. Doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Wow, we may actually learn to live as they do in heaven. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Great, exciting, interesting. A whole lot better than what we have here. God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Hmm. It's going to be a great place, but we need to start today. Let's pray. Father, we place our lives in your hands. But first, help us to seek your face before we seek your hand. Help us to relinquish our desires and embrace your perfect will. We know that it is your will that we become more Christ-like daily. So help us attain Christ-likeness for your glory. Indeed, Father, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Let us pray together. Oh, holy God, we come into your presence this morning with gladness making a joyful noise to you. We know that you are our God. You have made us. We are yours. We are your people and the sheep of your pasture. And so we enter into your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. We give thanks to you and bless your name for you are good. Your steadfast love endures forever and ever. God, you have brought us together this morning from many places and positions, from many states of minds and states of emotion, from many backgrounds and experiences. And when one looks at us together here this day, it would be easy to see only our differences. And yet we are united. We are one body we are joined together in our common confession, Jesus Christ is Lord. And so, God, we ask this morning that when our differences are highlighted, when how we are not alike is in focus, that you will remind us that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are all pilgrims on this journey, that we are all loved by you. And God, we ask that the knowledge of your love for us and those around us will prompt us to act in that love. Give us the heart to reach out to others in your love. Give us the ability to see others in your eyes, in your love. Help us to understand how your love erases differences among us and instead bonds us together as your children. And God, forgive us. Forgive us for not understanding how much you love us. Forgive us for acting in hate and indifference instead of love. Forgive us for seeing others not as you see them, but rather with eyes that are haughty and uncaring and unconcerned. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn 
only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Thanks be to God.